Hey everyone, it's that time of the year again. Welcome to Richfield Tiger Talks Budget Podcast. Joining me today are two amazing people. Our Director of Finance, Jill Brown. Thank you for joining us. No problem, Wes. Happy to be here. And the one, the only, Dr. Susie DeSilva, our Superintendent of Schools. Hi there. Hi, Wes. It's been a long time. Glad to be here. All right. All right. Well, we'll just get right into it. This past Saturday, we had our really, really long budget workshop where the Board of Ed got to ask questions to every single cost center here at Richfield Public Schools. Uh, it was quite, quite the, the long day, but we made this really amazing budget website. If you just go to ridgefield.org. There's a big button down in the lower right side of the website called the budget website. You go there. Everything's there. We made it easy so you don't have to watch the whole seven and a half hour long video. You can go right to the spot that you care about. Um, well, without any further ado, let's get started with the podcast. Uh, right now, um, it is called the budget proposed by the superintendent or the superintendent's proposed budget. Uh, can you tell us a little bit why it's called the superintendent's proposed budget and let's say not the Board of Ed's budget or Ridgefield Public Schools budget? Uh, that's a good question, Wes. And actually, I was just asked that question um, late last week. And so why it's called the superintendent's proposed budget, because at the end of the day, um, I'm the one who works with the administrative and faculty to propose a budget to the Board of Education. Once the Board of Ed either agrees or disagrees, makes their changes, um, and adopts a budget, it's really the Board of Education's adopted, uh, adopted budget. So it's that transition. Um, so even though it's really called the superintendent's proposed budget, the reality is that the budget is built on our faculty and our administrators. Um, so really there's a lot of time and energy spent by our teachers, our teachers le teacher leaders, looking at the future and deciding what it is that they need um, and sometimes it is what it is that they want. Yeah. Um, and then proposing that to um, the superintendent and the administrative team. And through that process, it's a, it's a long one. We look at um, current trends in education. Mm -hmm. We look at past budgets. We look at um, legislative requirements. We look at um, the student population and the yeah. academic needs, emotional needs. And then ultimately, we look at each cost center collectively and then we prioritize. So we don't just look at one year. That's hard to do because, um, as you could imagine, future year budgets can be challenging. And so you really have to think about what it is that we need and perhaps want today and what it is that we're going to need in the future years, because um, those future years can be pretty significant. So you really have to think about both at the same time. So Absolutely. it is superintendent's proposed budget. Yeah. <laughs> let's be clear. It is... Um, there's very little in that budget that comes um, from me directly. It really is um, the RPS faculty and staff. So uh, from my personal experience, yeah, we usually start budget internally around end of September, early October. And uh, actually, I think this is a great time for people who are new to this process. If we could just quickly go over like what the budget schedule looks like. We just had the, the big meeting this past weekend. What does that look like? Yeah, so uh, you said it starts in October. For me, it starts in early September, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, but we really gear up in October, November, and then of course present um, in early January. Uh, what still remains is there's a public hearing scheduled for this Saturday at East Ridge Middle School, 10 a.m. 
um, for the public to come and share their thoughts, views, comments, and offer us any questions. Um, the Board of Education will meet a second time. A second workshop is scheduled. That'll be a virtual meeting at 7 p.m. on the 6th of February um, to fine-tune any requests or wonderings or um, any other suggestions that they have. And uh, we hope that they will vote to approve the budget um, on the 12th at their regular meeting so that we can send it on to the Board of Selectmen for their review. The more time they have to review, the better and they'll make a non-binding recommendation to the Board of Finance from there. And all of those dates are on our website. There's a nice um, button that'll take you to our special budget website right on our main website. Oh, absolutely. And uh, is there anything different with this year's budget? Is it structured any differently? Are we doing anything different this year? Um, generally speaking, it's similar to years past, but one of the, one of the um, different pieces this year is I decided to add um, into my budget presentation, um, what didn't get into the budget? What were some of those things that different cost centers may have been requesting that and that ultimately didn't didn't get in? And I thought that that was important so that the community can see what we're thinking about in years ahead, and also understand why it is that something didn't um, land where where. Um, you know, there may have been, uh, hey, you know, we've been hearing about X, Y, or Z. Why didn't you request that? And so giving the public some insight as to what was requested and ultimately why we didn't move it forward. And I think our principals this past weekend at our Saturday budget mm -hmm. workshop did a nice job of answering those questions. And they really appreciated the Board of Ed's inquiry. You know, they do. Our Board of Ed really does want to be supportive of our faculty and staff and, and certainly support them what they, with what they need. Um, and I thought our principals really helped um, the community understand what they asked for um, and what the, what the plan was if, if we didn't put it into this year's budget and what it might mean for the horizon. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, if you go through this, this budget book, which is of course on the budget website, linked in the description of the podcast, uh, it's 221 pages. So there's a lot to go through, but it's all there. It's all there. And like, let's say someone is looking through the budget book. Um, I know some, some thoughts have popped up. It, it could appear that maybe some schools are losing a teacher. How does this actually work when you're looking through the budget book? First off, it's important to remember that we have class size guidelines. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's a for sure, right? Those are the guidelines that we have. And we really do adhere to those guidelines in our budget process which makes, um, which are based on projections, not actuals. So the way in which school districts budget is, is based off of projections. So we have um, the middle projections that we utilize. And when we budget, you're seeing budget to budget. You're actually not seeing actual. Although this year we added uh, a column into our um, cost center so that you could see what actuals um, are there also. And then um, prior to the school year beginning, and typically in the summer, right, we will staff based off of registered students in the district. So actual children. This uh, can result in staffing more than we budgeted for, and in some cases fewer. So we typically see most of the changes happen in late spring, early summer. Yep. And that is based on actuals and, again, adhering to those class size guidelines. And we hold on to that up until the start of the school year. So 
Um, we're pretty married to those class size guidelines. So no need to worry. That's what families um, should be looking at. And we will base our class sections off of the, those guidelines. And uh, something we've always reminded people here on this podcast is if you have young children who are going to be entering into the school system, please, please let us know as soon as possible because that helps us plan our teacher schedules for the next year. Don't wait. The, the moment you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you know someone who has young children that will be entering into the system, remind them. Uh, all you have to do is just shoot us an email, go to the main website, do new student registration, and we get back to those people very quickly and all the information that they need. So please let us know that as soon as possible. It helps, it helps immensely. Um, some other budget concerns that came up during the Saturday's budget workshop were in regard to world language, cost implementation, especially at the elementary level. Um, what, what does this look like? I know some of them were asking about like different numbers of world language teachers, maybe one, two or three at the elementary level. Thanks Wes for that question. So I'll let Jill in just a moment speak to the costs and, um, whether that's for one, two or three, but I'll speak a little bit to, um, world language program as a, um, at the elementary level. So the reality is, is there's a very, very long history um, of many proposals to bring world language into our elementary schools um, and to be a little bit closer aligned to our area, um, area groups and their programming. Not to suggest that we would have to do exactly what other, other school districts are doing, but certainly I think there's, um, there's that. And more importantly, or as importantly is um, the research around world language mm -hmm. and um, being sure that we give our kids the opportunity to have access um, receptively and, of course, expressively to languages um, as early as possible. So um, I'm excited because this is something that I have heard about every single year since I've gotten here and have learned the history. And it's certainly an area that is valued by our um, community and our, and our families. And I know that our students will benefit from it as well. Um, we did have a three-year uh, rollout plan, and then there was a lot of different reasons that that was the case. Um, part, part of that reason is because we believe in implementation plans and being thoughtful about those. Um, second, secondarily, of course, there was the costs associated and being mindful of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll turn it over to Jill. She can actually speak to um, the costs for one, two, and or three. Sure. So uh, I think we had talked about, you know, we take a look at what our average salary for a teacher is. We have a pretty comprehensive grid with several rows and columns. And uh, we've assigned uh, column five, step 11 as our average teacher rate, which is 85,773. Mm -hmm. uh, multiply that by two. If you had two new world language teachers, it's a little over 171,000. Multiply it by three. It's a little over 257. Um, we also plan on, you know, whether or not they might participate with our benefits program, because that's a significant number. Um, that gets a little more complicated because I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, all three or, or two might participate. I would add them to the total FTE that we are requesting and then increase that number to equal approximately 80% participation. And we've actually been pretty sharp on that number. We have approximately 740 employees district-wide, 592 of them participate in our benefits program. That's 80% on the nose. 
So that's where mm -hmm. that comes from. And then we take an average cost of benefits. What tier coverage are they? Are they single? Are they dual? Or are they family? We take an average cost there and say, all right, our average cost times 80% participation of the FTE that we are requesting that are new. So this would drive our 16.8 up to 18.8. And the benefits addition would be a little, a little over forty-two thousand. So oh, wow. it's there's there's a complicated calculation that takes place, um, but we are pretty sharp in how we calculate that. Absolutely, um, and that's again, there's a lot of things to consider with these with these sort of uh, programs moving forward, um, which which kind of leans into the next question. Uh, this is a topic that came up during different areas of the budget conversation on Saturday. And that is the term of contingency planning, contingency budgeting. Um, what is contingency planning? And can we really budget for that? How does it work here in Ridgefield? Uh, contingency, I'll take that, Jill, if it's okay. Sure. Con contingency, contingency planning is like a superintendent's dream, right? And not yeah. <laughs> out about what might come up in a budget. But um, so taking a step back, contingency planning is the process, right? for uh, budgeting for potential unforeseen changes in staffing, could be out of district tuition, which um, is always a challenge, bus runs, um, facility issues, fire pump, for example, we had that this year. Yep. Um, so of course, right, contingency, contingency planning would um, be a dream, and it's also not, um, not a reality, right? It's our understanding that um, it's preferred by town boards that um, the Board of Ed really refrains from budgeting for contingency because it really does have the, ab the ability to impact a community's mill rate, right, for things that we don't know yeah. might actually happen. So it's really preferred that we first seek to cover um, unintended expenses, right, within our own um, allocated budget. We did that this year with the fire pump. We actually had to make a transfer. Um, and then, of course, if we don't and we're not unable to find um, the funding, then we would uh, make a special request for an additional allocation or what they all also call like a special appropriation if we're unable to mitigate within our, our own budget. So there's, uh, there's a long history here, I think, of many conversations around contingency, contingency planning. But um, the reality, it's, it's to budget for potential unforeseen changes. And as you can imagine, that could be small or the scope could be pretty big. Yeah. Um, and also, I guess, on the flip side, right, you also have benefits that might come in through a particular budget season where you might find some savings, whether that's in, in staffing or material resources. Yeah. Um, and similarly, you try to mitigate things that might come up from having that, that savings. I hope that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah, if there's other things that throughout the year evidently didn't realize that it was going to cost that much. Hopefully there are areas that were cheaper than we expected and we can just hope, make it all even out in the wash. <laughs> yeah. We've been fortunate. I think that has been the case in, in Ridgefield. Mm -hmm. And that's just um, again, because I think um, folks are, we're paying attention and yep. it doesn't mean that it's always perfect because naturally that's not the reality either, but um, we've made it work. Absolutely. Speaking of making it work, uh, uh, you presented the budget number uh, a little while ago, which is a 3.97% increase. Um, how does that compare to other nearby districts? I know we don't want to like compare districts, but like what's kind of the general feeling out there for a percentage increase of this size? Sure. You want me to take that, Jill? Or 
Um, either way, either way is fine. Why don't you start us off? Well, I'm looking at um, a slide that we shared during our presentation about what our other DERG A um, colleagues had presented. Um, and, and needs are different um, based on, you know, lots of different makeup. Um, we know that some of them have had double digit increases in their health insurance. Mm -hmm. Some have had challenges with their transportation carriers after going out to bid. So there's lots of different reasons why districts may request uh, their increase. But um, they range from 3.53% increase to 8.80% increase. Um, we're the second lowest in DERG A. Um, so, I, I mean, we're we're very efficient. Um, our mm -hmm. per pupil expenditure is the most efficient in DERG A. So um, it's it's nice to be able to, to present a fiscally responsible and palatable mm -hmm. increase to our town. Yeah, the only piece that I'd add to that, Jill, is it was it was a bit similar last year, and we were in yeah. the fortunate position to have either the lowest. Um, in our district reference group or, you know, the second lowest. Um, that said, like, like Jill said, there's many layers to a budget. And if, you know, this is a year when our budget, for whatever the reason, increases and we're not towards the lower end, I would hope that um, the community would give us grace too, because there are just different things that pop up in a school board's budget that, um, in some ways are out of our control. And so you really want to stay away from doing too much of those comparisons because um, there are some realities year to year that are different from place to place. Yeah, that's right. Oh, absolutely. The, um, and, and speaking of budget increases, how does this, this school budget affect the greater overall town budget? Because you know that, that's at the end of the day, that's the big pot, right? Where yeah. everything comes from. Yeah, uh, most often, especially in a town that's, you know, the size of Ridgefield, the school district is going to be the greater part of the spending of the tax dollars. So, I mean, we try to be a good partner and work hand in hand and present them something that is affordable by the community, but still um, progresses the school district forward, keeps in mind the mission and vision of the superintendent and the board of education and continues to innovate and grow. Um, that's a tall order and difficult to do. Um, but, I, you know, I think us being a good partner and, and staying with something that's, you know, reasonable, like um, Dr. DeSilva had said, mindful of the mill rate and the affordability um, of what we're asking. And, and also, you know, we have, is it six different bargaining units here? We have yep. obligations before we even start to consider those innovations. Um, I think we were at 3.28% before we even turned the lights on. Um, yeah. We're requesting 3.97%. So um, there's, you know, it's a lot to consider. Absolutely. And, and like we always say, like, you know, I believe we've done a lot of positive change in these past four years and it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. Absolutely, Wes. And I think yeah. when you um, rush things along too quickly, mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately, um, things can fall apart. And you've heard me say this before. It's not the idea. Um, it's not necessarily the program. It's not necessarily the humans, but it can fall apart in implementation if you're not really thoughtful about it. So I think that's what we're the most proud of in this community is um, being very incremental and mm -hmm. mindful of our decisions and how they impact the organization as a whole. That's great. I think it's a great way to end the podcast. Um, 
So I want to just thank both of you for taking the time out of your incredibly, incredibly, incredibly busy days to talk to us here at Ridgefield Tiger Talk. Um, any any closing comments before uh, we, we wish everyone goodbye? I have one, Wes, because, you know, we don't spend enough time talking about how lucky we are to have this communication tool, the podcast, and you oh. know, you're pretty committed to it each week. Um, and really <laughs> being able to share out in such a quick turnaround time, right? Some of the topics that came up this past Saturday mm -hmm. and getting that out to our community as quickly as we as we do is really as a result of um, your commitment to communication, transparency, and, um, and yes, we try to make it a little fun and different and giving lots mm -hmm. of um, opportunities for a variety of modalities to collect information, not just a newsletter or an email. So thanks, Wes. Thanks, Wes. Great job. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It was, I think, one of the, the few gifts I got from COVID. After COVID, I said, let's keep this up and people love it. So um, thank you again for that. And uh, thank you, our wonderful audience here at Ridgefield. Remember, if I, you're listening to this, we already got you. So get all your friends and family to go on their favorite podcasting app, Google, Apple, Spotify, no matter whatever you're on. Just type in Ridgefield. Boom, Tiger Top's the one right at the top of the list. This is Dr. D signing off, wishing everyone a great week.